What's up, everybody? Welcome to Witty Banter, episode number 60. I'm one of your hosts, Chase Williams. Joining me today is Hunter Duffelbags Dorset. Oh, my God. You're going to call me Duffelbags? What does that make you? What does that make you, Chase? I'm the host, man. I'm the, I'm the giver of names. So you're the host, and I'm Duffelbags. <laughs> All right, what I'll take it. Whatever. What I, what I like about the going with that name is I could have gone with Duffel Bag. But when you say duffel bags, I feel like it adds like an extra layer of like implience there. Yeah, it's it's almost I can't tell if it's sexual or if it's degrading, but I'll yeah. take I'll take either one honestly. I think I think the true fruit of life is found in the middle of those two things. So <laughs> we're on the right track. Well, yes, look sir. man, this is a fucking landmark episode. And it's a big deal. The listeners might be thinking why cuz it's episode 60. Like, yeah, that's impressive. Don't get me wrong. It's impressive. Two, two months full of everyday witty banner. Yeah, you you got them. But it's impressive because we're going through the internet right now. Yes, I'm are. sitting here in Austin, Texas, and you are in Houston, Texas, and the listeners have no idea. Yes, sir. How do you feel about that? I mean, and then let's also be say that you and I are not the most techni- technically uh, savvy people. Uh, we had and you definitely got one up on me there too. I mean, I'm I'm a caveman in a lot of regards. Yeah. But we came in tonight and we said this is gonna be the first troubleshoot. We're gonna go for it, and, and it's and it worked first try. Like what what the hell? Thank you, Skype. product placement by skype yes sir okay man well i guess we'll just go ahead and get on to the show then um witty banter is a show where we review a beer and we've got quite an interesting one for you today hunter i know that you've been looking at it a little bit why don't you introduce it okay so i have a couple of sources that i'll use but basically we're we're going to be reviewing today the celebrator doppelbach and that is from Anger Brewery. I don't know if it's Anger or Anger, but yeah, either way. Yeah. Uh, it's a German brewery or there a brewery. Yeah, um, yeah, he's getting it. Uh, I got help with that one. Uh, <laughs> so it's 6.7% alcohol by volume. And dude, from what I can tell, this beer is supposed to be pretty banging. Okay. Like whenever I look up what people have to say about this beer, it's supposed to be pretty good. So... Uh, if I go to beeradvocate.com, it says that the uh, like out of a hundred, the the beer advocate score is a ninety six, which is considered wor- world class. This is a uh, world class beer in the palms of the witty banter host right now. And this is and this is one of the uh, accolades that it got was a a gold medal for Germany's best Doppelbach at the World Beer Awards in two thousand and fifteen. Holy. F- Fuck. Yeah, so this thing, I'm expecting I'm a great I'm surprised this thing session. wasn't like 20 bucks or something. Yeah, dude, this thing looks pretty awesome. Also, let's just mention, on the uh, on the bottle. This is so you cool. Have, you have a little necklace around uh-huh. the top of the neck of the bottle. It's almost and it has, like the medal of the uh, award that they won is now draped across every bottle of this beer. I know. How awesome is that? <laughs> and it, I'm guessing that is... Uh, um, the same animal as the goat that is on the front of the bottle, right? I is think that a so, goat? Yeah. Okay. It's All a right. proper assumption to make. Anyways, uh, the flavor profile that is given on Wait, merchant- hold on a second. Hold on a second. Now we've been doing this new approach where okay, we're kind of okay. we're, we're getting a little uh, we're getting some information beforehand. Okay. But are we gonna go ahead and throw all the notes out there too? Like when do, when does our intuition come into this? 
I mean, we can do it however you want. Maybe I bring it up at halftime, what other people have to say about it or something. I'm down to just uh, try it ourselves first and get our own uh, our own taste at it. Yeah, because I think it's interesting to bring the like the the internet's consensus consensus in on it. But I mean, where do you f- feel like we should draw the line as far as I just you know, know personally that I hate having uninformed opinions about things that I wish I was more informed about. And yeah. my my nas, my schnoz, the schnoz is just berry. so bad. It's so bad, and I can't get any notes or hints of anything. It's always just like, yeah, this is a good one. So <laughs> That beer uh, <laughs> was enjoyable. No, so, dude, I think you do a good job. I mean, we've okay. been doing this show long enough. Maybe I'm just showing my insecurities, and I'm just airing them out to the public. Hey, that's what this show's all about. <laughs> this is like... You know, standing up in front of everyone naked, but in audio form. But, you know, I like I like your suggestion. I think there is like a cool uh, little like description of it. But let's do Let's bring that up at halftime and see okay. where I get mine versus what that says. Well, I'll tell you what, man. I just so first of all, I poured it up and it is a dark, dark, syrupy brown. And it had a very small header. The header was like brownish white. You know, it wasn't like brown per se, but, you know, it right. was darker. And not a very big head. Um, drinking mm. it, my first sip, it's got a thickness to it. Yes, sir. It is a deep, just rich beer from the get-go. Yeah. Now, have you had a chance to take a sip yet? Yeah, I took uh, my first sip. Not too big a one, but uh, it is a little bit thicker than I was expecting. And you know, what is, what's sort of interesting to me is I don't know if box are regularly supposed to be dark as dark as this yeah because i know like really the only bach that i actually feel good about knowing is shine on us yeah i was about to say and which is like the my crown jewel texas beer that was the first beer i bought legally oh that's awesome yeah nice um yeah basically i know that one and it's dark but then I've also had some box from some other places that were like a lot lighter. And I was like, oh, well, maybe that's just a Shiner Bach thing. But this this is like exactly what I would have thought a, du- a Doppelbach or a Double Bach, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I, this is exactly what I thought it would be like. I think this one stays true, uh, most true to the style as well. I actually had a, um, a Bach, I believe, in Prague. And it was very Ooh. similar to this. And it was one of the best beers I had in Europe. Um, Aren't you fancy? In Europe. I am fancy. <laughs> I'm so fucking fancy. But look, I just want to say quickly, um, you know, because I don't want to belabor this beer for too long before we right. get into the news. Um, right. This beer is already super malty, mm-hmm. and it's got like a toffiness to it. Um, yeah. I'm getting like kind of a a bitter, like a like a, a almost like a coffee espresso bean kind of finish in the uh, in in the end of the sip. And that's sort of been the first things that I've been able to latch onto so far. Mm-hmm. Even though it's kind of thick, thicker, as we've mentioned, I still think it's very drinkable. In fact, it kind of has it has a reminiscence of like uh, Dunkles that I've had in the past. Yeah. So yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. It actually it tastes really good. Just like uh, just as a blanket statement, it's a really good beer. Yeah, I mean, I think all this might not be true, but I think all box or most of them end up being lagers, and lagers are those beers that are fermented at a colder temperature, which give you that like crisper finish on the like, it doesn't hang around in your mouth like an ale does. So that might right. actually be contributing to some of the drinkability of it as well, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. All right, man. So we've said a little bit about the beers. Let's go ahead and jump into the news section. Are you uh, you ready? I am tip top shape, bruh. Fucking a. This is Witty Banter. <laughs> 
I was excited if you couldn't tell. Huh? I could tell. I was about to say, like, it used, it used to be the approach for me, just try to, like, make my beeps as crazy as possible to just make, give you more work. But now it just seems like you're doing that for yourself. Why not, man? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hunter, we've been in sort of a Radiohead type of mood these past few episodes because their new album dropped. Yes, sir. I want to ask you a quick question. Okay. What do you think about, like, their, their earliest music, like Pablo Honey music? Okay. I'm going to be honest. I don't think I've ever given Pablo Honey a good run through. Yeah. Like, from a beginning to end, listen. I just know some of the highlights. Um, I've actually never done that either. Yeah, so, I mean, what I think about their earlier music is that it's not the Radiohead that I fell in love with. Uh, I think that they were, you know, a little bit, they were a little bit different, even in their similarity to kind of the 90s grunge rock feel. They did have different things that stood out for them, but it's not, it wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, a cataclysmic sort of effort or anything, which OK Computer kind of set off for me. They had that song Creep on there, which is like kind of what got them... A lot of, I mean, how do you feel about that song? I mean, Creep is what actually made me willing to listen to Hail to the Thief. There you go. Yeah. Well, our news story today, Radiohead performed the third concert of their 2016 tour Monday at, in Paris. And while the band to continue, continue to showcase their new LP, A Moon-Shaped Pool, on stage, Tom York and company also dove into their catalog to, a, to deliver a pair of surprises. Radiohead's first performance of Creep and No Surprises in nearly seven years. Wow. Radiohead hadn't played their Pablo Honey Smash in concert since their August 30th, 2009 headlining set at the Reading Festival, while the wait for OK Computer single um, live... Had been even long. I don't know what that sentence even means. But I think it means like no su- no surprises, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So Radiohead played Creep live, man. Yeah, that's super weird. In fact, I saw Johnny Greenwood post that, and uh, I can't and get you with Radiohead news, man. You you stay too up to date. Well, I have too many other friends that are listening to Radiohead yeah. and posting about it as well. But uh, but <laughs> yeah. Makes- so I mean, that's kind of crazy. I always thought of that as sort of like the redheaded stepchild song of theirs. That that's kind of why I brought it to the table, because I thought you were like one of those people who were like, I don't even really like Creep. You know, Creep is OK, I guess. It's just I mean, I think like anybody who knows something really well and hates when people bring up the most generic thing about that that they know about. It's kind of the same thing. You know, it's like when you watch when you watch like something that's not, not esoteric but something that has a lot of depth and you're like i like that big fluffy thing in it yeah and you're like uh, okay well that's kind of how creep is and like it seemed like tom york kind of had the same feel at least on interviews that i saw about it but you know it's just cool that they're it seems like they're in a like in an age in in a moon shape or a moon shape pool is kind of indicative of it as well that They're willing to throw it back. Yeah. I mean, I'm just excited for this tour since we got tickets. But we can go ahead and move on to our next um, piece of news if we want. Okay. Okay. So this next news segment, I'm going to have to take you on a little bit of a walk, all right? You're going to have to stay with me here. All right. Sounds good. This is going to be dealing with the Capcom Pro Tour, which is a Street Fighter V, or Capcom Pro, Pro Tour is a fighting game tournament like circuit in which Street Fighter V is heavily, um, heavily spotlighted, right? Okay. In these tours, you have teams of people that are sponsored. One of the teams is called Team YP, and it actually stands for Team YouPorn. And <clears throat> YouPorn is actually a sponsor of one of these teams. Wow. Now, that's, that's kind of the context I got to give you for this news story before I bring you in, okay? Okay, I can already hear the controversy. Yeah, it's brewing. 
I do want to get your thoughts on this. So here we go. Team YP appears to be banned from competing on the Capcom Pro Tour after new rules were posted late Friday night. And this is the previous Friday, which I believe was May 20th. Okay. Capcom posted the rules the rules update a mere hours before the competition was set to begin at Stunfest 2016 in Reims, France. The new rule affecting Team YP states, quote, Capcom will not allow players to participate in any tournament if sponsored by adult content sponsors, such as a publisher of pornog- pornographic websites or any other sponsor Capcom deems inappropriate at its sole discretion, end quote. Capcom did note alcoholic beverage, cigarette, and vaping sponsors are not considered inappropriate and will not be affected by the rule. The wording of the rule does not seem to leave room for debate. If taken literally, it removes the players from competition rather than the sponsors, meaning Team YP's um, players would not be able to compete at Stunfest. And the crappiest part that people got really upset about was they had already gotten there. So Team YP showed up at this tour and then find out hours later um, that they had been banned and that they couldn't play. Meanwhile, um, and that, that caused a huge uproar. Which um, which prompted Capcom fighters to respond, and they said in a tweet, "We understand everyone's concern around the sponsorship rule and the Capcom Pro Pro Tour rule set. We will give a review and an update soon. In the meantime, we won't promote sponsors we deem inappropriate, but all players are allowed to compete. Thanks for the understanding." So the reason why I brought this to you, and what I kind of want to get your thoughts on, is esports are sort of they're they're brand new, right? Like all of these esports leagues and as and and video game competition in general is new, and all of these leagues are forming, and they're having to right now go through the growing pains of of creating rules. And I've actually seen a lot of controversy with um, like different leagues drug testing and whether like they should be drug testing and things like drug that. Drug testing, wow. Okay. Yeah, because apparently, I mean, not only for like I think recreational drugs, but also like what they consider performance enhancing drugs like Adderall and stuff. Yeah, like Adderall, keeping, Vivans. Yeah, okay. yeah, like keeping you sharp and stuff. So Team YP, Team Uporn, they're pretty adamant on like the the players themselves. They're like, look, we are Team YP. We are not like they they are super particular about you that being called YP and not Uporn because they're just there to play the fighting games, even though they have this this sponsor. And so now we see Capcom taking a stance and saying, look, we're not going to allow um, sponsors of pornographic material, but we will allow vaping, cigarettes, and alcohol. And there's just been a big conversation right now in the fighting game community about whether or not that stance by Capcom is fair, if it's hypocritical. And after kind of throwing all that on you right now, <laughs> what, what kind of, how do you, how do you, what do you glean from that? I mean, I I do obviously sort of note on the irony and hypocrisy of being willing to have uh, sponsors support some players and some teams, and those are clearly not good for people. But then, you know, there is sort of like the workaround where they're not willing to let, you know, the the, the U-porn sponsors be, uh, be playing. One question I have... Um, can these guys, can this team, this group of people that are trying to play this game, can they not play without a sponsor or something? No. Well, I mean, I think with, with the sponsorship, it's like they are the ones paying for them to travel to these places, you know, and so they need to be able to, they need to be able to floss the U-Porn name basically, even though they're just team YP. Yeah, I mean, I think what what happens for Team Wipe for Uporn is like, look, you know, we will pay you to go to all these events, but we're gonna have our logo and stuff all over you, and that's how you're advertising us, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know, man. I think, um, I mean, it definitely doesn't surprise me that they're not willing to ban alcohol sponsors because that would just like cripple, I'm sure, so many 
uh, people and sponsors. But, yeah, I think it's a good debate to be had. And I think, um, you know, it does highlight a, a sense of hypocrisy about our unwillingness to discuss something that everybody has to deal with, which is their sexuality and uh, how people choose to, uh, you know, engage in their their sexuality. And um, I think probably the thing that really set it off for them is that porn is in the name of the sponsor. If it was like boob tube or something. Boob tube. Well, the thing is, is, you know, the team is is really adamant about being called Team YP. And even on their shirts, it says YP, which is also kind of like odd considering, well, if, if U-Porn's in it for the the advertisement, then their name like isn't even really on there, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but I'm sure that everybody knows, and I'm sure U-Porn knows that as well. Sure, well, um, yeah, exactly, totally. But, but yeah, I mean, I think it's exacerbated by that thing that, you know, just the sheer name of the sponsor. Uh, but... It doesn't surprise me. I mean, it sounds about about appropriate for the uh, the American sort of take on sexuality and the American mindset around it. And that, that it, like, you know, if you had a, you could probably have a sponsor that was dedicated to like destroying people's faces and stuff, and no one would care. But <laughs> bombing then if people, you, yeah, bombing people. But uh, but then, yeah, I mean, we're team you bomb, <laughs> bomb you, bomb you. Um, but yeah, I mean. <laughs> This and it kind of reminds me about what we talked about with like um, you know Grand Theft Auto and I think we had a couple of conversations about it on the show about you know sexuality versus like violence or sexuality versus anything and like why we we think we care so much more about sexuality for some reason and like that it's this hush hush deal so yeah I mean it doesn't surprise me but um, I'm glad that there's a conversation being had about it and that there's sort of, um, you know, there is a stirring of the pot in trying to figure out these new regulations for esports. Sure thing, man. All right. This next news story, we got we got like kind of a uh, video game focused news segment. I feel like we haven't really we haven't really leaned into video games in a while. Let's do you, Chase. Let's do me, baby. (laughs) This is why we work well together, Hunter. (laughs) Okay. All right, man. A new partnership with the FIA means that Gran Turismo Sport could land kids in a real race car. Whoa. That means that in-game progress can now count towards a racing license within the FIA association. What? So this Gran Turismo Sport is uh, the, the latest um, Gran Turismo game that's going to be coming out this November. And it, they're partnering up with the FIA to create some sort of program where players can earn credit towards an actual racing license. God, this just sounds like Ender's Game or whatever it is, dude. <laughs> uh, let, me, let me finish the story. Okay. Um, the partnership with the FIA somewhat mirrors the GT Academy, which we actually did a story about back when we were in my old apartment, uh, which allows some of the best Gran Turismo players to compete for the opportunity to, to drive a real race car. And basically, the details of what the FIA is going, how the program is going to work, um, haven't been really released. It's just the fact that this partnership exists and that the plan to allow people to create, make their game progress count towards some sort of FIA racing license is, is in place. That's, uh, that's wild, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like that, it's, that's honestly wild in my opinion. <laughs> so I just kind of want to get your discussion on maybe what it, what it means to have, racing as a sport possibly be kind of like democratized in the fact that like anybody with this game can now potentially land themselves in a race car. Like I said, we don't know the details, but with that GT Academy, it did produce a, a player who came through 
um, the competition that they had through playing Gran Turismo, and he now races for Le Mans. That is, oh my God, it's so wild. Um, yeah, I mean, it says something... I, I, it says something about the legitimacy of your ability to apply your skills on video games and how that translates into real life because the fact that we are converging on realism uh, or, or, or we're having a convergence with reality and realism in video games mm-hmm. um, that, you know, if you are able to really, like, play well and deal with all of the multiple or numerous factors that are going into playing some of these games that you have to play. It's like, well, then why couldn't you do it in real life? If sure. you have, if you have the mental capacity to be able to handle that, um, you know, a lot of it, but it does seem strange because while you might have the mental capacity, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have the physical capacity. So, and that's where I, I kind of think about how this is going to work, right? Because if they say game progress, then this progress shouldn't be tied to like just hours that you've put into the game. It's not right. like how many cars you've unlocked. It's probably like, have you set the fastest world lap time on this track? Right. And I think in order to do that, the only players that can are the ones who own the driving wheel. They own the pedals. And at that point, you kind of are using your motor abilities in a way that's simulating a real car, you know, yeah. and and when you talk about a convergence with reality, with um, how how realistic games are getting, it's not even so much like the graphical stuff, but it, as much as it is the simulation, right? Like they're yeah, able it's all to, the factors that are going into play. Yeah, like they have just physics engines and simulators where like they know how much a wheel is going to spin at a certain angle at a certain speed with a certain tire degradation. You know, it's, it's crazy, especially especially in the realm of racing games because. It's it's mostly just physics, you know. Right. Yeah, and in fact, like most good racing games, like all they're really creating is a fucking as realistic as possible physics engine, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but I mean, you know, anyone that I know who really likes racing or uh, hearing, you know, uh, hearing first takes from people who are racers, mm-hmm. you know, they consider themselves to be athletes. Oh, and, I can I completely agree with that. And so. It's almost like it's almost like you're discounting that when you're when you're saying like, oh, well, just because these people can do it mentally, that that means that they must be able to do it uh, in real life as well. Because, I mean, it's like you can you can play that game for a thousand years and if it can be as real as possible but like once you actually sit in a car and you have to deal with those facts like it's going to take a lot of time and effort and practice to get it down yeah totally um and that's probably where like you know the cream is cut from the the what's the saying i don't know there's (laughs) a saying rise to the top or whatever you know yeah yeah but uh, just just as a quick aside, I know that you're a huge Gran Turismo fan, and you also yeah. own a PlayStation 4. Are you uh, interested in this game that's coming out in November? And so the official game title is Gran Turismo... Sport. Sport. Yeah. Um, I will be considering it. Um, I haven't really been on the lookout, honestly, for too many games. I've been working a lot, and I've been really busy. But, uh, you know, racing games have always piqued my interest. Cool. And... Uh, the thing that I like about Gran Turismo games is like while they do have like a lot of realism and they look incredible. Yeah. They're not they like do. they're still playable for me. Like I'm not I'm not a game I'm not a person who's like super hyped up on like it being it realistic as possible. I kinda like being able to play it still. 
And sure. so uh, Gran Turismo does I that like for me. I'd like able to play it a little bit. Yeah, so, so we'll, we'll see when it comes around. I'll give you a heads up. Awesome. All right. Well, let's go ahead. We're not rounding out the news sec- story or the news segment, but we've got our last video game piece of news here. Okay. The Pac-12 will become the first conference to run and broadcast esports. In a press wow. release from the Pac-12, the athletic conference said they will become the first to run and broadca- broadcast officially sanctioned esports competitions. They haven't picked a game yet, but they say they will pick one soon and broadcast some gaming starting next year. And here's a little blurb from their press release. Intercollegiate competition in e-gaming is in its initial stages, but Pac-12 universities are increasingly involved through passionate student groups competing in competitions with popular games. Esports is also, also closely tied to academic departments at Pac-12 universities such as computer science, visual and cinematic arts, engineering, and others. So yeah, that's it's a short news story. That's basically all it is. But we're seeing now um, esports continue to flourish and is now reaching university and collegiate play. Wow. I mean, it doesn't surprise me, but it is cool that it's becoming official and a formalized effort, man. I mean, it, it, it speaks volumes to the validity and to like just how important it is for so many people out there, you know? Yeah, my favorite part about that that press release is how it said, like, the reason why we're kind of doing this is, one, games tie very closely into some of the departments that we have at our own universities, and we see these passionate student groups who are already hosting their own competitions, um, and we want to basically uplift those passions, you know? Be a part and, of the fun, man. Yeah, and I just think that's a really admirable thing to, to, to embrace and accept, you know? Yeah, it's forward thinking. Yeah, and, like... Because honestly, when I went to that Street Fighter Five competition, something that I've taken away from it now is that like everyone who was running it up there, they're all like volunteers, and it's so incredible that a group of people can like a game and like a community so much that they want to come on their own time to um, organize an event of that size and and also run it well. And I'm like, that is super impressive, you know? Yeah, yeah. And to have that sort of passion to do these things, you know, that that doesn't come around too often, and just because it's video games doesn't discount it in any, any way whatsoever. So it's cool to see universities say like, let's, let's take these people's um, just energy and put it towards something that, you know, could potentially one, bring the school money. Cause ultimately that's, that's kind of yeah. how it is. Right. <laughs> like it, it's interesting to think that these, what they might do is like, look, if our esports team is good enough, then, then better students are going to want to come here. And it's it's also cool to see the universities say like, hey, this is in our self-interest as well, you know? Yeah, dude. You wonder if they're going to be like starting to recruit gamers. Oh, fuck. Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> you just got such a scout. <laughs> I really did. Look, guy, this, look, dudes, I'm telling you, this this player, he can reload in 0.5 seconds. He's <laughs> got be XR. A, yeah, he can be XR every time. <laughs> Um, speaking of putting energy into that, uh, that motion, have you discussed on this show yet about your Twitch activities? I think I might've mentioned that I have a Twitch channel. Cause I will say, you know, I, I got to join, I think within the last week or so, one yeah. of your, uh, Twitch streams. Yes, you were there. And I had a little to say about it because it's a really, it was a lot more fun and different than I thought it would be. Yes. Yeah. Please expand on that, because I think that's people's most people's reaction. And uh, it, it harkens to a time when I was younger, and, you know, we used to do, like, chat rooms, yep. right? And, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess, like, whenever you have 
people in there, like, because you are small, you have people in there that know you. And, like, in yeah. fact, most of the people that were in there were probably people that I knew. Sure. So that so you have that aspect of the chat room where you're kind of like, oh, yeah, like, I can be myself and, like, contribute to the group. And but catch up also, with people. But you're also watching somebody do something that probably most people on the chat are enjoying watching. And mm -hmm. you know the person that's performing it and doing it is watching, and that, that person is actually putting on a performance for everybody. But yeah. then you also have people that you don't know that are, like, coming on and checking out and, like, ha are putting in their tooth putting in their two cents and they're like helping the person do the performance. And so it was just way more collaborative, like yeah. not just from the person performing it, but from everybody, it seemed like everybody was there to, if they weren't, if they weren't like, uh, telling you directly, like, Hey, you should do this. You should use this sort at this time. They were just being there f for support and yep. because it was fun, you know, yeah, it, it, yeah. I guess it was just more multifaceted of a, an experience than I thought it would be. Yeah. I mean, well, one, I really appreciate you, appreciate you stopping by anytime anyone comes. It's like, man, anyone could be spending their time doing literally anything else. So the fact that anyone wants to stop in, like, I'm always just super humbled by that. But like what I've found is it's really hard to explain to people what Twitch streaming is or like, so what is it like people come in to watch you play video games? And I'm like, yes, but that's not the feeling, you know, that's not all there is. And what I like to try to use as, as like an, an allegory is there's that show on like ABC or something called um, Celebrity Game Night. And hmm. basically there is a host and celebrities come on the show and they play like a variety of party games like charades and stuff like that. And it gets really good ratings because and I tell people like, well, what you're doing is you're watching people play a game right there and you are involved in it because they are having fun and they're entertaining while they're doing it. And that's sort of. That's sort of how I try to get them to approach what the Twitch channel is. But you're right in the fact that, like, I think what the fun of those things live and die by the people in the chat room, you know, and that's mm -hmm. why I'm always trying to cultivate people to come in and I want them to be friends with each other. I kind of want them to actually come to that chat room more for each other than they do for me, because if I can create a community of people who like each other and who want to see each other other every week and I'm just sort of the meeting point, then that's where things really start to grow, because then new people come in, they see what a cool place it is and how fun it is to hang out and and it just goes from there, you know, precisely. And, you know, the, then the group will be based around like people like the effort will be based around the people that are watching it as opposed to the effort being necessarily based around the person that's putting on the channel, which yeah. is kind of cool. It's really cool. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. All right, man. Let's get to this last news segment before we uh, hit the halftime. Then we'll get out of here. All right. Sounds good. All right. Here we go. Adidas is to make. Hold on. Restart. <laughs> Adidas to make shoes in Germany again, but using robots is the headline. And okay. it says Adidas, the German maker of sportswear and equipment, has announced it will start marketing its first series of shoes manufactured by robots in Germany from 2017. More than 20 years after Adidas ceased production activities in Germany and moved them to Asia, chief executive Herbert Hainer unveiled to the press the group's new prototype, quote unquote, speed factory in Ansbach, southern Germany. The 4,600 square meter plant is still being built, but Adidas opened it to the press, pledging to automate shoe production, which is currently done most by hand in Asia and enable the shoes to be made more quickly and closer to its sales outlets. The factory will deliver a first test set of around 500 pairs of shoes from the third quarter of 2016 and large scale production will begin in 2017. Hunter, we're getting closer to robots making everything, man. 
<laughs> to put it succinctly. Yes. Um, I, I mean, it might sound a little like childish or naive, but okay. I thought that we were already doing that. Like, I'm sure I, we are in most, I mean, in like, most industry. We can make an entire freaking car basically entirely with machines. Yeah. And we haven't been making shoes. Okay. Maybe you're right. Hold on. Then, then one, this is an unimpressive news story, and Adidas, you should do no, better. No, I'm not trying to say that. Well, no, 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 no. I'm just saying, Adidas, get with the shit. We're already making cars, all right? Well, if, if it's newsworthy, then they're probably one of the people that are doing it first, right? Yeah, I guess I would think so. The, the, the conversation I kind of wanted to have is, you know, going into the future as automation becomes more and more ubiquitous, how does that just make you feel generally about the fact that, like, you know, like, I mean... We've had our economic structure and system for a good bit now, and I honestly feel like like auto like automation could be the thing that really starts to like make it teeter and and, and make us have to consider new things, you know? Yeah, there's I, I think there's sort of I mean there's many perspectives, but the two perspectives that I could see is that you know automation's good because you drive down costs, which uh, allows you know the company to be able to uh, be more profitable, invest in other things, and it also allows the consumer to pay less. And um, also, when you have you know kind of widespread automation, you allow for people to be contributing more uh, thought capital as opposed to physical capital. Yeah, and that would probably be more indicative of like shorter work weeks, you know, and less stressful environments to have to work in. But at the same time, like my biggest overarching concern or arcing concern is that we're just becoming so dependent on everything, everything, you know, like for our lives. I I mean, I was thinking about this today. I bet 99.95% of people that live in apartments today cannot fend for themselves if shit were to hit the fan oh right? dude probably more than that man and maybe not even just people who live in apartments but just like fucking people who live in suburbs in the city you know yeah, i mean i use that because i'm sure if you go outside of apartments there are a lot of people that are in rural settings that probably could fend for themselves but even right. just thinking about how many people because i live in an apartment how many people live in apartments and how screwed we would be if we couldn't like if we didn't have access to all of the things that uphold our lifestyle. And I feel like automation is just one of those things that we're going to start becoming dependent on. And then like, if something happens like some sort of global catastrophe, then like everything is screwed, everything stops. And so, I mean, that just contributes to my overall, like overall paranoia about that situation. But um, yeah, I think there's two ways to, to think about it. I think that it's good that hopefully maybe it'll take some heat off the Chinese kids. Um, <laughs> I mean, oh my I, God. I do care about those kids, Chase. <laughs> well, no, it actually, I already closed the news story, but it does say like it's contract workers in Asia who are, uh, the jobs are going to move away from, but it, it does say that Adidas is trying to make a program to like phase them out. And so they don't just get like left out to dry because that is <laughs> yeah. definitely a, a, a valid concern, you know, like. And that's, I think that's the valid concern with, with all automation is like what happens when 700 jobs are now not needed, you know? Yeah. And to want like, you know, a few couple robots. Yeah. Just I mean, a tiny bit of robots. Yeah. I, I think that, I think that was an interesting news story, man. Don't sell yourself short. Hey, I appreciate that. honey. <laughs> you got it, buddy. All right, dude. Well, that's all the news stories. So uh, let's take a quick break. And after halftime, we'll come back and talk more about this beer. And then we'll bit up a bit up. Yeah. We'll, we'll do some bit up bits. And then bit up it. 
If you want to follow the show once the mics have turned off, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Witty Banter Show. Also, like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash witty banter podcast and help the show get discovered by leaving a review on iTunes. And finally, steer the conversation by sending a question to wittybantershow at gmail.com or suggest a beer for us to review by going to our website, wittybantershow.com. That's enough plugs. Let's get back to the show. Okay. Hunter, we're back, and it is getting super hot in this room. Oh, I'm sorry. That's my oh, fault. Yeah. I'm lo- no, no <laughs> my, heat, my heat waves are extending to Austin. Whatever. You're in a big open space, man. I'm in the fucking... Well, first, I'm not going to... Okay, I'm not going to diss this room. This room has become my command center. It's like your sanctuary of It sorts. really is. Well, I don't, yeah. I don't want to go that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if, I don't know if that's too much. But before, uh, you know, we used to do shrinkage, that podcast. So I'd have to take all of my stuff out of here and set up my equipment outside. That's kind of what we used to do. But now that shrinkage is done. Yeah. Congratulations. Oh, thank you, sir. uh, Finally rounding that out. It was a fun effort and I enjoyed not only being a part of it, but getting to listen to it. Thank you very much. Shrinkage.saltigomedia.com for 35 episodes of that. But now I've got all of my stuff in this room, which means I never have to move it again. And this has officially become like my headquarters. Noise. 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 Anyway, I'm pumped. Hunter, I want to I get your, your thoughts on this beer. And, and maybe, uh, maybe you can help me figure out how we're going to incorporate sort of the, the Internet's take on it as well. Yeah, so I am uh, currently getting my phone up to be able to look at it. So, from MerchantDuvin.com, which looks like a pretty reputable site. They got a lot of information on here. Uh, They mentioned that the taste is a rich, dark elixir with cascading layers of malt complexity balanced by elegant hops. Notes of toffee, caramel, graceful, dark malt roastiness. Hey, who said toffee earlier? What's up? Hey, shh. <laughs> I'm reading right now. <laughs> and the essence of barley. Lager fermentation leads to clean flavors and pinpoint conditioning semi-dry finish. I like that description of it. I think I it pretty too. much nails everything. Yeah. Uh, it is, you know, you do get a lot of the maltiness. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just just high level, like, it's got, like, a sweet character to it. And it's it's thicker than maybe i would imagine but it's still very drinkable and um i'm getting the co- i'm getting the toffee you know it's good stuff so uh this is this is really doing it for me man this I'm is not gonna a complex lie. beer dude this is a complex beer and i think the fact that it is a lager um man maybe i should just say just the style of beer that it is really does lend itself to that drinkability and like that sweetness of that toffee it plays really well off of like whenever I sniff it, whenever I've been smelling it recently, it's got a smokiness to it, which I always really like in my dark beers. I like that kind of roastiness and it hits you with the roastiness first. And then when you drink it, you get that sweet line of toffee, but it's like underneath that toffee. Well, I, okay, stick with me here. The toffee <laughs> here. is a thin layer of like s- s- paper on top of an <laughs> ocean of flavor yeah. right yeah, it's yeah. like this toffee is like this through line of what the, the the beer is but if you're looking for it there is just this deep complex just malty um i don't want to say character but like malt profile like there's several malt flavors in this beer i feel like and they're all playing off each other super well yeah and i made sure to like mention that in that description that it is a complex maltiness to it yeah uh, um also 
uh, I don't know. I guess, I guess, yeah. This, I'm, I'm into this beer. I think that's all I have to say about it, honestly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. man. I'm, I'm, I'm good with just sticking it, putting the pin in right there. Maybe coming back a little bit we'll later. Come back. We'll see if we move the pin. We'll probably put the pin in the same <laughs> hole. But, <you> know. <laughs> put the pin in a pin. Yeah, put the pin in the same hole there. Let's go ahead and move on to our segment, Hunter. I believe you've prepared a top three for us today. I have prepared a top three for us. My number three is definitely Goku's hair. I think my number two's got to be Hyper Beam. My number one is without a doubt Witty Banter. I figured we'd, uh, you know, keep it straightforward, being that this is our first internet effort. Yeah, we don't want to uh, get too rambunctious. Yeah, man, we're not going to try. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll uh, be able to be sophisticated enough in the future to do some dopey definitions or something like that. But, yeah, that'll be good. Uh, but for now, we're going to do a top three. And today's top three, I want to be clear and I want to make sure that I prompt it the right way. All right, man. This is your one shot. Don't fuck it up. What are your top three guilty pleasure foods oh foods and this and, is good and, and when i say guilty ple- i want to say i want to put definitions on both guilty okay. pleasure has to mean for me that it's probably bad for you yeah that you, it can't even really be considered good for you yeah, it's like a regret after yeah. you've done it right yeah well regret <laughs> regret only <laughs> regret only in the physical uh, <laughs> results. Yeah, but and it, then, it might be good for your soul, but and then when we talk about food, I want it to be particular items of food. I don't want it to be like, oh, number three is steak and potatoes and bacon and you know what I mean. Like let's let's try and be like succinct with what we're choosing. Maybe it's uh, it, it, instead of steak and potatoes, you might just say steak. You know what sure. I mean? Let's not do entire meals of guilty pleasure. Okay, okay, I got you. I'm going to, damn, dude, this is, I have so many things come to mind. Yeah, I actually haven't done a whole lot of uh, digging deep as far as what I want to say for this, which is odd because when I know what the prompt is, I would like to be prepared. Yeah, you're going to be up on it. I was basically just like, I found the prompt and I'm like, okay, that's, I'm sticking with that. Well, this puts us, this puts the name witty banter to the test. We got to be witty. (laughs) I'm going to give my number three to Cool Ranch Doritos. (laughs) <laughs> really? Okay. So, like, for for me right now, when, when I'm eating Doritos, it's like, you've got no reason to eat these other than the fact that you wanted to eat Doritos. <laughs> yeah. And a small little fucking bag that comes out of the vending machine of Doritos, that's not enough. Like, yeah. that's not why I'm eating Doritos, just to have a little taste. No, you get the whole fucking bag, <laughs> you open it up, you start a movie, and you eat till you hate yourself. You know, uh-huh. that's uh-huh. how it goes. You know, I don't want to, you, you said I couldn't say just like chips, because I would have put Cheetos up there, but I think ultimately I've done Cool Ranch Doritos more than all the other ones. Yeah, I'm glad that you specified the type of chips. You've got to, you know. I'm, I'm, <laughs> you created the rules. I, what are we without rules but anarchy? You know. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, my number three is going to be prosciutto. What? Guilty, dude. It's a deli meat. It's so just what? mostly like fat. It's got a decent, it's got some fat. It's not like terrible. It's not bad. You wouldn't say that prosciutto is bad for you? I would say if you're eating like strictly prosciutto for all of your protein needs, then you're probably getting way too much fat. But I think if you <laughs> eat like 
five slices of uh, prosciutto a day, I think you're fine. So does it not qualify? You want no, me to no, pick it's another fine. If, you're, if you feel guilty about it, Hunter. I feel like I only eat prosciutto as like a little guilty pleasure, as like a gift to myself because it tastes so good and it's so yeah. salty and it. I know that it's like a deli meat that's cured and has a lot of fat to it. Well, and the thing about it is you usually eat it in like large portions because like it is so delicious and that's kind of where I think also some of the guilt could come from. And you're also, I mean, we're not, we're not, uh, you know, muddling the line, but it, it goes well with a, a block of cheese as well. A big old block <laughs> of fucking cheese. Maybe a wheel, if if you will. If yeah, if you're getting real fancy, <laughs> you can definitely do a wheel of cheese. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do my favorite deli meat as my number That's three. That's your favorite deli meat now. Yeah, I remember when prosciutto came on the scene for you, Hunter, and I was so stoked because prosciutto is a gift that everyone needs to experience. It, it really and now is. Now it's rocketed so to the top. Yeah, it's it's up at the top. I mean, dude, the first time I had prosciutto was actually in Italy, and I was like fourteen, oh. Oh, and I God. had no idea what I was having, yeah. and I didn't like it. It was of ridiculous. Course. Of course, I feel that, man. I regret it, man. At Hubble and Hudson, we had a one hundred and eight dollar a pound prosciutto. <laughs> and it, it came from Spain. It was it was the the real thing. And when you start meeting people um, behind the cases, you start becoming friends. And it's late at night. The manager managers are gone. And it's like, here, have seven slices of this one hundred and eight dollar pound prosciutto. <laughs> That's when you learn how fucking dope prosciutto is. Yeah, prosciutto is very very good. All right, that brings me to my number two. Okay. I, I think this is I'm glad I I'm glad I'm so smart and thought of this one because mm. I'm definitely always guilty when I eat one of these and that okay. is just a straight up vanilla malt milkshake. Oh okay, wow, I haven't that's had, a good one, dude. <laughs> you digging that one? Oh, man? of course, yeah, it's great. <laughs> so with vanilla, like with malted milkshakes, and I always get vanilla, is they're fucking delicious. <laughs> But they are the most unnecessary treat you could ever have. It's like take like six scoops of fucking ice cream, some heavy milk in there, stir it all up and just drink it. It is and an I, ultimate guilty pleasure of sorts. Yeah, I think so, man. And I dude, I honestly I can't tell you the last time I've had one because and, and there are times where like I kind of feel for one. I crave for one. You know, maybe I'm at like a fast food joint where they have good milkshakes and it's just like. I have not been able to bring myself to eat one <laughs> despite how badly I want one in such a long time that you know when I do have it, it's going to be that quintessential guilty pleasure. Yeah. And you know what this reminds me of, Chase? Go ahead. I already know. I know where you're going, I think bro. you know where I'm going. <laughs> there is a night where Chase and I spent the night together and I d somebody dared him that he could not finish a water burger. Was it me? It had to be you. A water burger, a large water burger chocolate shake. And instead of just accepting that as fact, Chase decided to, instead of having fun at our sleepover, <laughs> yeah, he sat in the corner Put myself to prove a milkshake me wrong. Time out. It was like, yeah, it was like milkshake purgatory, where you just like <laughs> sat in the corner and drank this milkshake just to prove me wrong for like three hours. Dude, and, that's because uh, the largest at Whataburger are like 32 ounces. More like probably like 44. Dude, it was <laughs> massive. But yeah, I mean like. But you did it. I did it, dude. <laughs> Back in like, I think that was like around eighth grade. That was at the point where I was like, if anyone questions my ability to eat, I'm putting them in the dirt. Yeah. And you're right. I think like the last half of that thing was pure misery. But I just sat there sipping on it. And I was just like, hey. Hey, <laughs> I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Okay. 
All right, let's hear your number two, man. All right, so my number two, I hope it doesn't blur the line that I've already set about you, this. You're the one setting the rules. I know. You can't I'm be hoping, breaking them. I'm hoping that you will accept this because it is a single item, but it's made up of two different things. Okay, this is interesting. And it's maybe the only redeeming thing about Chili's. Oh, fucking right. Let's the go. molten chocolate cake. Oh, dude. At Chili's. Interesting. I'm surprised I didn't put it in my number one. Because yeah, I it changed <laughs> it's so good. I mean, okay. you have a, a warm brownie on the bottom, which I mean, who knows if it's actually a good brownie, but made into a little bunt cake. Yeah. You know, a perfect yeah. platform for what comes on top. What's really, but I mean, really what's makes it, so necessary and great is that warmness of the brownie contrasting with the ice cream on top, which is yeah. covered Just, in a hard wow. shell of chocolate. Yeah. It Compliments is amazing. to the chef, you know, to put those two <laughs> to the clashing chef. things together, you know? <laughs> I, I feel you, though. Like, anytime I went to Chili's, if I didn't get a molten cake, it's like, well, you didn't fucking do Chili's right, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but I also think there's an air of guiltiness there where, like, even even the cake part of the molten cake, like, it's not that great, you yeah, know? But it's that's, just something that's what about I'm saying. I don't think that it's, like, a high-quality thing. Right. But it tastes to the moon. To the moon it goes. Yes. All right. That means we got to think about my number one. Take your time. I have to fester on this one because I think that I might have fester. Sh- that's the word you're gonna go with. Uh, I need to ferment this one if we're gonna yeah. use beer, beer can, terminology. Yeah. Percolate, maybe. You oh, could by do. the way, if you want me to get buy you some time, uh, yeah. we said this was a logger, correct? Yes. This Doppelbach. Uh-huh. I listened back to the 40th episode. Yeah. What is a characteristic that is more with the yeast? Do the yeast ferment from the bottom or the top of a lager? Bottom. I'm pretty sure you're wrong. Oh, <laughs> fuck. I think that lager is more like uh, colder temperatures and they'll be on the top. Yeah, and it is. I know it is. Um, it, you're right. It is top fermenting. What's cool about doing the show on the through the internet now is I actually have like a browser that I can pull up. Oh, nice. So we're going to become a much more informed show. Cool. And that's how it goes. Okay, man. Look, I just gotta I gotta shoot from the hip here. I gotta go with what I think my number one is, and I and I'm gonna blur the lines a little bit, and I'm just gonna say artisan cheese. Ooh, okay. Because so you don't art- have a particular artisan cheese that like stands above all else. My favorite cheese is Manchego. I guess I could say that. How do you? I, mean, I don't even know what that is. A Manchego is a Spanish cheese. It's kind of drier. I think it's made out of sheep's milk. It's fucking delicious. Okay. Now, this is why I say cheese is because usually when I am having, if I'm going to go all out and eat a bunch of fucking good cheese, I'm going to buy like <laughs> six bricks of it, mm-hmm. six different types. I usually have like salami meats and all that. And it's just like everything in front of me in in the purest sense is fat. You know, it is, yeah. it is, it, that is what it is made up of. And I'm going to eat it until I am full, <laughs> until I can't eat it anymore. And there's like, but my love for cheese is just so great that it's almost worth the guilt, you know? And I don't do it often, but when I do, holy shit, mm-hmm. I, I just, I eat all of it. Okay. So yeah, that's, I mean, I, I feel like it's an okay number one, but that's what I gotta go with. It's okay, man. And you know, honestly, it's a part of the show. We don't we don't prep each other with these top threes, and sometimes we're not satisfied with our answers. I know I'm not. A lot of times, <laughs> a lot of times we have Lagrange, Lagrange. as number one, <laughs> about as number do. one Guitar Hero song. We gotta but, figure out what episode that is. But you know, but we we live, we learn, we adapt. We do. Um, hopefully, okay. So it's it's on my number one now. It is. 
I did say that uh, prosciutto was number three. There you go. That the cho- chocolate molten cake was number two. But I hope that my number one and my number three aren't too similar, man, because they okay. are very different for me. Here we go. My number one is just some good old-fashioned bacon, dude. Bacon. Yeah. Yeah. One, well, I, mean, I love it, making bacon. Oh. Like, it is... Sounds it's a, romantic. It's a guilty pleasure just for me to be able to cook it. Because it just smells so good? I mean, what's going on over here? I just like, like, picking out... Okay, so... Actually, I learned something from uh, one of our email, a recent emailers, Mandy Elkins, yeah. on how to choose bacon. And that, like, yeah, you want some with some fat or whatever, but you want to get, you don't want to get some bacon that's just like all white, you know, from beginning oh, to yeah, end. It's, so you get it's to, disgusting. You get to pick out your bacon, and then like maybe it's cured, maybe it's uncured, but you put some pepper on that, put some seasoning salt on that. It's a you just let process. It, you just let it cook in its own bacon grease. You don't even need to put any like butter or oil on it. It just does the work itself. It's, yeah. it's, it's just really fun to cook, and I like to put it in basically everything that I can. <laughs> and uh, it's one of the things that while it's a guilty pleasure, I rationalize it all the time that, yeah, I, that it's not that bad for me. <laughs> I try to eat bacon every Sunday. Like, I'm, I'm not going to eat. <laughs> that is like literally the opposite of so many religions, dude. <laughs> I do it out of spite. <laughs> no, man, like, there, to me, it's like I'm gonna have a good, if I'm going to have a good breakfast, I want a thick cut of fucking bacon on that plate, you know? Good, so I like I, where your I head's at. Like, all right, man, well, that's been top three. Let's go ahead and check out the mailbag. And uh, and we'll see what we've got. Okay. Now, Hunter, we've had a... Is dearth the right word? Dearth means an absence of, right? Like an absence of things. We've had a dearth of mailers, or does that mean a lot of... As long as you're not saying girth. That's what I Uh, originally thought you were saying. I mean, this show's got girth, but in a whole other way. (laughs) We'll say that dearth is what you're saying it is. Well, we've got, and normally I ask people to, to write the show at wittybantershow at gmail.com, but today we have something a little different. We got a tweet. Oh my goodness. Is this our first tweet into the show? I think it is the first tweet in the Dude, show. Dude, this, sh- this is a show of firsts. And it is from none other than the man whose very bottle opener we have used as a namesake on this show for almost every episode, Andrew Tarvin. Mr. Tarvin. Mr. Tarvin. He tweets in. His name is, of course, at Shallow Gravy. Of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and he says, Hunter, this is officially your call out. You, me, Nidhog on oh. stream. <laughs> Andrew Tarvin thinks he can dethrone you on the one game that you are undeniably the champion of. The champion of our local group, yes. Uh, yeah, let's put that modifier on there. Yeah, because whenever I went into matchmaking and I actually tried to play people online, I did get owned by this dude. I mean, I, I put up a better fight than normal when I go online. But yeah, uh, but yeah I guess... Uh, did word just get out through you that I was good at Nidhogg? I know I didn't. Uh, or what, was yeah, it me basically. when he came over? Well, we, we talked about it after the uh, gaming convention, right? That like that's the only game that I could pretty much like, you know, hold up to. Yep, basically. Okay, well, you know what, Andrew, I accept your challenge. So here's I feel the pretty deal. confident about it. Good. I'm fucking pumped for this. I honestly can't wait to see this showdown. You might want to do a little preparing. He might be doing some preparing as well. Okay. Um, I actually bought Nidhogg at my own uh, on my own place, so I can be doing some preparing. 
there you go, man. Now, what he wants to do, and I think this is a great idea, is uh, to do it on stream. So he's going to play you. You're going to be at your place, and he's going to be at my place, and we're going to stream it on Twitch. So we're going to we're going <laughs> to up we're going to up the the stakes here. I'm going to try to get some viewers to watch the showdown. So basically, I get to just watch y'all shit talk me while <laughs> while I play Nidhogg against hey, this guy. You just got to let those pure blissful Nidhogg moves do the talking for you. It's okay, you, man. man. I'll be more focused than he is. All right. We got one more piece of mail, my man. No, we you did thought, not. You thought it was going to stop there. No, we did not. We did. I love this it. This one is our first Facebook message into the show. Dude, what is this life we're living? This is the new world, man. You come <laughs> on, you do an internet show for episode 60, you get internet questions, bros. Of, it's going to be huge. It's going to be gonna huge. It's going to be great. The best Facebook messages better than any other Facebook messages. <laughs> we're going to have the best messages. We have all the messages. Wow. This one comes from Kenny Thornley, and Kenny was actually a big fan of Shrinkage, and he's actually migrated over to this podcast okay. so hunter i want you to welcome kenny and the rest of the, the banter nation welcome kenny in with open arms because he's a fucking cool dude dude one hi kenny i'm sorry that charlie was such a dick to you on the show <laughs> I, me and chase will welcome you with loving arms and we appreciate your fandom so he says you may have talked about this previously but could you guys speak to how much of a badass Elon Musk is given the first <laughs> successful Hyperloop test which is something that we did on the last show. I don't think we've ever talked about Elon Musk on this show. Yeah I don't think it's ever happened man. He says I understand he's not directly involved in the, all the indivi individual projects but remember the origins of the project and then he gives the origins here. He says the state of California approved something like 15 billion dollars to build a high speed rail and Musk responds with a 50-page technical paper detailing how it could be done better and cheaper, which sparked a massive push to develop what will eventually become a multi-billion dollar industry. And he ends it by saying, badass. So yeah, he just wants us to talk about how fucking cool Elon Musk is, and I think that's something that we can do pretty easily. Yeah, it's pretty within our capabilities, I believe. This guy is exactly the kind of example I like to point to when it comes to like even how I how I view my own personal philosophy of, of like, you need to make sure that every man of extraordinary ability has the capabilities to see his visions through because he is such a visionary type of person. And he's involved in so many projects that are literally always catching headlines because of how ingenious and how disruptive they're being to how we do things normally. Like that is the kind of man that we, that I, that, that I just find so inspiring that he's on this fucking earth with us, you know? Yeah. It's awesome. And you know, I mean, it really lends, uh, you know, an appropriate nod of the hat to the actual name Tesla, you know, yeah. Nikolai Tesla was kind of not kind of, that guy was freaking <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, like if man. you've ever if you've never watched a documentary about Nikolai Tesla, you freaking should. Definitely. Uh, but I mean he he definitely like keeps the name alive and it, it's not just how innovative he is on like, you know, just the cars or just it's how many things that he's innovative in. And Right. It, you just wonder what what sort of um what sort of factors contribute to somebody being able to have perceptions that are so much different and that are so much more innovative than sort of the run of the mill people that are in sort of the status quo positions to be able to move things ahead because he sure. really is, he's setting standards and he's making other people have to live up to those standards. And it's awesome, man. It's, it's putting society forward. 
Yeah, I completely agree, man. Well, that's been the um, that's been mail time or whatever the fuck we call it now. <laughs> Nick's mail corner. That's Nick's mail corner. I mean, okay. we might have to go ahead and vanquish that name. Nick hasn't written in in a long time. How about we give him a uh, a time down? We give him three episodes starting now. Yeah, three episodes starting now. If he doesn't mail in the show, no longer Nick's mail corner. And for those who don't know, it became Nick's mail corner because Nick would write in every episode for a long time. So if yeah, you it could very well be Kenny's mail it corner. Could, it seriously could. If you start sending <laughs> us messages, start sending us questions every week, you're going to get the fucking segment named after you. And when we fucking blow up. You're going to be a big deal. We're very generous. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Look, we totally named our internet segment after you. <laughs> Invite me to your house party. I don't know. <laughs> now, you can contact the show by emailing us, which is wittybantershow at gmail.com. You can also shoot us a question via Twitter. I am at Bodacious Chase. The show is at Witty Banter Show. Or you can send us a message via Facebook. Just go to facebook.com slash Witty Banter Podcast. Hunter. Let's go ahead and get our numbers on these beers, and let's get out of here. Good, because I'm excited about this beer. All right. Well, I'm going to let you go first, then. I'm not going to contain that excitement. I would just feel like an asshole. Yeah, because you are one. I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Um, so, yeah, we've, we've mentioned the complexity of the maltiness of this beer. We've mentioned sort of the mouthfeel characteristics of it. And, um, you know, it's 6.7% alcohol by volume, which is mid-range. Um Overall, I just really like how drinkable and sweet, and it just gives me the the jimmies for uh, German beer. You know, That's interesting. It, is, it's it's giving me the jammies, but uh, I, I, I kind of no. see what you're saying. Well, I thought you were gonna get the giblets. So, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So it just is like it's not only a German beer, which you know I've become so fond of Bavarian German beers, but it seems like a top of the top of the line German beer. Um, it's got the accolades, man. It does, man. Um, so, and, and just the fact that we, we sort of just like picked it by happenstance in the store and like, well, it had a necklace on. Yeah. It had a little necklace on there and there was like, oh yeah, we might've just gotten that one in. That might be cool to try. Yeah. Fucking, you got good taste. Clearly. There is basically no drawback on this beer for me. So I'm going to give this a nine. Fuck. I really like this beer, dude. Yeah. All right. That's a that's that's a shining stamp right there. It's a yeah. shimmering stamp. Yes, sir. All right. Well, look what I've gotten so far. Uh, so yeah, I think this beer is fantastic. It's the smell is just a roasty sweetness. You can really smell that malt coming through, and I really do like the kind of smoky isn't the right word, but roasted is, yeah, is roasty. what I would use. Yeah. The flavor profile on it is fucking deep. All right. Mm -hmm. You know, you've, of course, got that caramel in there. You've just got sort of a grainy, bready taste from the malt. But actually, what's also kind of come through to me in these past like 10, 15, 20 minutes of, of the beer getting warmer is even like a dark, deep, like fruit, almost like not maybe like fig, you know, or mm. like plum. Yeah. And that's not to say that it tastes like that, but it's almost like that's still that's thrown in there with everything else. Yeah. And if and if you're not really even tasting that, there's still that byline of of just toffee that you can you can hang out with. Right. Yeah. And the fact that it's a lager, <laughs> it, you fucking chill out with it. The, the fact that it's a lager and it and it finish finishes with such a crispness, which is like it doesn't feel heavy because of that. And so the, the fact that it can be such a deep beer without that heaviness is just to me. It's so cool. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I yeah, I got to give it a nine as well, man. 
that Dude. this beer oh, is just. Oh yes. What? We, we're we're simpatico with our skulls. Yes, we are. Out of follow your lead on that one. This beer is fantastic. And once again, the beer is the Celebrator. It is a Doppelbach, and it comes from Einger Brewery. And you guys should definitely check it out because it's fucking delicious. You said that way delicious. better than I did. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. Hunter, that's been Witty Banter, episode number 60. That's our first internet episode. I'm excited to see... We did it, right? It's in the books. It's in the books. I'm excited to see how it continues to to evolve because like, the fact that we're not doing it face-to-face means it's going to have maybe a different feel, but I think that different feel is kind of going to be one of the defining characteristics of our new witty banter push. You know, you, you know what I think, Chase? got to embrace it. What? I think it feels good. It does feel good. <laughs> it feels like an Einger right down my gullet. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get the plugs over with, and then we can get out of Sounds here. Sounds good. Witty banter is on iTunes. Just search witty banter, hit subscribe. All of our episodes will show up in your download queue for free. If you don't have iTunes, that's okay because we are also on Stitcher, and I believe we're on Google Play now as well. I see. I still need to get that list together of um, all the things that we're Come on. Come on. We need to get that going. But if you don't have any of that shit, you can just go to wittybantershow.com and download our episodes straight from the website. If you're a new listener, welcome. I'm so happy to have you. We have a big back catalog. We've got episodes where we visited breweries and learned how to brew beer with them. We have episodes where we ranked the shittiest beers ever made. Um, we, it's a lot of fun stuff. So go ahead and check out our back catalog there. You can follow the show at Witty Banter Show on Twitter. We are also on Instagram, which is at Witty Banter Show. Um, I myself am on Twitter. I'm at Bodacious Chase. Hunter is at Diesel Dorset. You can also find us on Facebook. We're facebook.com slash Witty Banter Podcast. Any of those channels you can use to communicate with us, ask us questions for our mail segment. We will answer them. Thank you, Kenny. We, thank you, Kenny. And we will be super happy to do so. But. For myself and for Hunter, this has been Witty Banter episode number 60. Thank you guys and have yourselves a great day. And a bit of a bit of.